Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mika Gadsden, your host of Mic'd Up, and this is a special post-democratic debate Mic'd Up Extra, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come and follow each debate or each significant event in um, in this election season with the recap, but I have the time and resources, and more importantly, I have the focus and... Um, I'm, I really want to start to engage with the black electorate here in South Carolina in a very specific way. Um, recently, I took on a job with Black Voters Matter. Um, if you know me personally, you know that Black Voters Matter has been a strong supporter of my work uh, for years now. And um, they also were a host, uh, rather, they were guests on a previous episode of Mic'd Up on OM, And they're just an amazing organization that's all about grassroots organizing and um, building power in black communities. So with me taking on the South Carolina coordinator position um, and also um, just a number of of other things I have my hands in, I thought it'd be a great time to start engaging specifically with black voters and our issues and helping folks break down what we heard, what we hear on the debate stage or what we read in the newspaper, whether it's national or or um, or local. Um, but if you're not African-American, that doesn't mean you cannot um, listen to this podcast or any content from Mic'd Up. To the contrary, I hope that it does inform my non-black listeners um, and non-black POCs to really understand the issues that matter to us. Um, and this is just coming off the heels of some interesting conversations I've had behind the scenes. Um, I won't get too specific, um, but I will say that, you know, a lot of people want to get this right. A lot of people want to get this coverage of this historic race right. Uh, we have a record number of Democrats running or vying for the nomination to become pre- to run for president of the United States in 2020. And South Carolina has always played a pivotal role in who we decide or who the Democratic Party decides um, to be the nominee. Being that the South Carolina primary in February is the first primary um, where basically it, it shows more representative represent more uh, of a representative sample of who will vote in the election from the Democratic side. What does that mean? That means like the Iowa caucus and, and what you'll see in, in New Hampshire and other places. Those are largely white areas. And so South Carolina, of course, being in the black belt in the South, um, you know, also the belt buckle I heard of, I guess, around the belt buckle of like uh, the civil rights struggle struggle or the black belt. Um, it plays a pivotal role. So um, it, it shows the nation you know, what black voters are thinking about and what their priorities are and who they choose. And so um, as an activist, I've been, mm, this is not a flex, but um, yeah, as an activist, my opinion has been sought out quite frequently by national press. And I have a lot of off the record conversations for, for a lot of reasons, but chief reasons are like, I just really don't want to be on the record to try to predict anything because uh, I don't know we don't know it's really early despite what we see and how excited we all are for our you know perspective for our own each you know candidate that we're rooting for 
um, we it's still very early. Um, so that's one reason why. But the other reason is, too, it's just, you know, I want to give people a chance. I don't want to shape anyone's opinion too much around my own personal sensibilities and, and um, taste. However, that doesn't mean that um, I don't have strong opinions about who's still in the race and who got to go. Um, so last night was October um, 14th, right? And my, I'm sitting in a hotel right now. It's super duper early as I record this. But yeah, last night was the presidential debate, the CNN New York Times debate in Ohio. And we had 12 uh, Democrats on stage. It was, to me, I love debates. They're three hours long. Around the the second hour, I am a little bit, I'm hitting the wall, right? Right after... What after two hours, I'm kind of hitting a wall. But um, I do get excited about these debates. Um, Not so much because of the spectacle, but more because I I just, I'm just, I I don't know. I just like it. Um, And um, off the bat, you saw who the front runners were. And you always can tell that by how folks are positioned on stage. For those who don't know, um, the, the candidates that are in the center of the stage are those um, those are the, the higher polling, more successful candidates. And then the further out you go, either to the left or right, are those who are polling a little lower and are doing a little bit, um, who are struggling a little bit in the polls and also with earning um, some campaign support, financial support. So right off the rip, you see uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, Vice President Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. And then it goes, you know, goes on and on with, you know, you see Kamala uh, and you see Pete Buttigieg, who's also those those right there. Those five are the ones really doing well um, in a lot of ways, either with fundraising or with polling numbers. And it was just interesting to see this debate, especially following a couple of weeks ago. We had our Blue Jamboree here in the Carolina Low Country in North Charleston. Um, for those who listen to Mic'd Up, you know that I did interview Colleen Condon a week prior to the Blue Jamboree. Uh, and um, I did attend the Blue Jamboree as a Black Voters Matter, uh, you know, uh, I guess I tabled. Uh, and also I served as a member of the press. So I got access to the other areas. Um, but tonight was interesting because we got I got to see the candidates that actually came to the Low Country who have been in South Carolina pretty consistently. Kamala's been in the Low Country consistently. Um Uh, Joe Biden, of course, has a lot of institutional support here. Um, And also, uh, I know Pete Buttigieg has done well in terms of a lot of campus support. Uh, And let me see. Yang has a pretty, like, a little cute following here. Not really substantial. Cory Booker has a a sizable or substantial uh, operation here um, as well. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has been some of the was been the most con- the biggest question or conundrum. In fact, I get a lot of questions about Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, but people are really trying to figure out Elizabeth Warren. And while I won't say too much about what I think is going on, you can't deny the fact that she just hasn't been in the low country at the same level that she's been in other areas. Like she killed it in Iowa and her Iowa team and her national campaign team, but her Iowa team specifically knocking it out the park. And I know I was a little bit like, huh, I wonder if that energy will translate here in the Palmetto State. Now, while I, I have seen strides made for her to really build up her base here and build up her, her operation here, it still doesn't match the same energy we saw in Iowa. Um, and so that's something to watch. I get a lot of questions about her. 
and about what she's doing and, and what's her game plan. To be quite honest, it looks like this is going to be Biden's state regardless. His ties to the um, Democratic Party establishment and just older black women really just feel comfortable with Biden. He's the name they know. I know my mother and I have had very heated conversations, believe it or not, regarding Biden, not because I'm trying to persuade her not to support someone she likes, but because of I think some of her reasoning is, is a little rigid. And so but that's just indicative of how black women, older black women feel about him. Uh, and so that just gave me more insight as to why he's been polling so high, even though he's made a couple of blunders. And the Hunter Biden news has definitely hurt his campaign. Uh, but Elizabeth Warren has been more of a conundrum. I think, to be honest, in the low countries between Elizabeth Warren and Biden, I don't think she'll win the state. However, I do think she'll she'll make substantial strides here. Um, it's interesting watching uh, last night. She fielded a lot of questions, right? She really, really was under attack because she's the front runner. Uh, so that meant that all eyes was going to be on her. She's been polling great. She has a lot of cash on hand. She has uh, fundraising numbers that just came under Bernie. Bernie's been doing great with fundraising, especially at the grassroots. And if you are following the, the Warren campaign, you'll know that she's not taking any big corporate money. So it, it means a lot that she's outpacing some of her um, more. She's outpacing people like Pete Buttigieg and Kamala, who have taken money from larger donors and corporations. But she's doing it at the grassroots with smaller donations. Both she and Bernie share that distinction. And so, um, you know, she was under attack because she is ostensibly she is the front runner and so even though joe is in the the in the lead in some polls i believe elizabeth just took over um as the front runner but i think even like spiritually <laughs> or essentially he's still seen as the front runner especially here in south carolina so it was interesting to see her field a lot of attacks um people really came at her specifically on health care last night they came at her specifically on how you're going to pay for it. I think what I've seen from not just Buttigieg, who launched a very vigorous attack, but from Klobuchar and some others, they really want to frame Elizabeth Warren as someone who's an idealist and too far to the left and too radical. Uh, and so they want to kind of just chip away at that persona she has of being ultra prepared and chip away at those plans that have actually made her quite popular and made her stand out. Bernie looked great following his heart attack. Um, I thought he looked sharp. I thought he was, I think, I think people were very honest. He wasn't as vocal as he would, as he has been in previous debates. Um, the debate before this that preceded this one, to me, his energy looked low um, and his skin was a little red. And this is not me being ageist. This is just an observation. Um, maybe that's what's leading up to maybe his, um, his, uh, his incident, his, his, uh, his heart attack, let me not call it an incident, his heart attack. Um, and I'm again, this is not an ages observation. I'm just saying, telling you or expressing my thoughts that I, I actually read from others as well. Um, but Bernie looked good. Um, I hope that I was glad that he didn't overexert himself um, and that he did show some restraint. And basically, he didn't make any gaffes. He let Elizabeth take the, the, the main talking time. She had over, what, 17 minutes of talk time. She, le she led the whole night in terms of talk time because she was always 
on the defense defending statements or answering questions from her opponents on the stage. So she uh, had the lion's share of talk time, and I believe Bernie ended up fourth in fourth place with talk time. Um, and that that was a good place. That's actually where she used to be second and third because that way you're not making more mistakes you're you're there you're not you're not you're there you're saying things but you're not um liable to any type of attack so um that was good to see uh, um there uh, and interesting to see i think elizabeth warren defended herself very well i think there were some non-answers but i do think that that is actually how a politician answers tough questions they don't want you to get that sound bite they don't want you to you know they don't want to offer something you know explicitly affirmative we've seen that with Kamala in the first couple of debates um where she flubbed on health care you don't want that moment where you make a, um some sort of like demonstrative statement and then that be the standard you're held to so I think she was a little cagey and that might turn some people off um but I think people who know her and who are really looking at this with an open mind know that she is um she is a planner and she's strategic um, I think Biden um, pretty much looked like, you know, you know, he was there. Um, I think he looked strong on a couple of issues. I think foreign affairs is someplace that he could really excel at, like people to judge. Um, however, we know that his son's issues uh, in the Ukraine hung over the debate. And um, that was the only that. And of course, he had a little tense moment with Elizabeth Warren regarding um you know her work during the obama administration um yeah i had a, it triggered me a little bit it felt like me me back at work um in my 20s um uh, where male where a male colleague wanted to take credit for some work that i did um outside of that i, I don't think he made any major gaffes as he um was wont to do in, in previous uh, debate so that was interesting to observe Kamala did not have one of those standout moments but she did get an applause line she was um, a candidate that brought up um, some black you know black lives um, I have my comments on that and, and she mentioned guns as well um, I have my comments on that especially seeing the deaths um, of black people at the hands of law enforcement um take place all over the country or take up a lot of uh, news over the past couple of weeks um so i have my feelings on cops talking about gun violence at the hands of cops she didn't go there but julian castro did and said that you know gun violence police violence is gun violence and um so i thought that was great that he brought that up also julian castro was uh he also brought up the untimely murder of Atatiana Jefferson um, that took place in the Fort Worth area this week. And that, to me, as a black woman, it's important that you acknowledge the issues or acknowledge what black women and, and black citizens are facing. So Julian, as usual, very progressive, very in the cut. Again, he's not really polling high and he's not, you know, killing it with fundraising, but he's not making any major mistakes. And um, I know a lot of people thought that he came at Joe Biden unfairly in the last debate. I think that he just caught Joe flat footed. Um, Joe made a lot of mistakes leading up to the last debate. And um, I thought those were that was fair game. Julian pretty much seemed very measured, very disciplined. And when he did have mic time, he made the most of it. Um, um, Tom Steyer was on the debate stage for the first time. If you're here in the low country, you know that Tom Steyer made quite the impression at the Blue Jamboree. Um, I personally, I'd have a, a very, um, 
Ugh. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth whenever I see white candidates or any candidate, but specifically white candidates, uh, like when James Smith uh, at the convention a few a couple years ago when he brought out black marching bands. I don't like that look. I don't like that aesthetic. I don't like how that labor of those kids are being is being politicized. I, I don't know if those kids are being compensated or how the schools are benefiting from that, from these appearances, especially when they're wearing. Um, campaign t-shirts so why am I bringing that up I'm bringing it up because he made his way to the stage I think he's if you if you didn't know who Tom Steyer was if you never saw any of those ads that he purchased you would have just thought that he was just like a measured you know f- forgettable but okay competent candidate and he is competent I don't want to ever allude to the fact that I think he's incompetent but what Tom Steyer has done largely is just really um, he's a billionaire. So he's used his resources as a billionaire to make the biggest splash. And so to me, he's all about grabbing the spotlight, which I know you have to do, especially entering the, the debate, the debates at this late of a stage. However, um, the tactics he used, I think, are a little bit too, too much. Case in point, it's not um, if you know if you were at the Blue Jamboree. Um, you know that he made sure that he supported the um, Democratic Party. Um, and by support, I mean he, he threw some cash and made some donations. And you can tell where he spent money. Uh, he had a huge presence there. He also financially supported, according to, to um, someone I spoke to that's closely connected to the campaign. He, um, he financed the press pavilion. Uh, and also bought the press lunch. I did not eat lunch that Tom Steyer provided. Um, I thought that would be a huge conflict um, for a member of the press to eat lunch that a presidential campaign has purchased. Um, but that goes to show you what he's trying to do, how he's trying to influence people's minds and maybe coverage. Um, he also, uh, as I alluded to a second ago, um, he hired the uh, Benedict College's beautiful amazing talented just awesome black marching band they sounded great they sounded great it was like the whole band was there it was huge um i just think it's distasteful to have that at um, a political rally i'm tired of white candidates using that it's it just looks so sticky it looks so blatantly pandering like, like it's just blatantly pandering it's it's not cool and we need to start we need to stop have uh letting these candidates have unfettered access to our marching bands our kids and our churches and our pulpits i think it needs to come at a cost and i think in south carolina we just i know other states do it too um but we just need to ease up on that um it's it's just it's largely to me exploitative so tom started threw out a lot of money outside of the blue jamboree he also had a billboard truck a digital billboard truck so it was like a box truck that had at least i saw three sides um i don't know what the top had um but on the three sides of the box truck um the left the right and the rear um were digital screens um, featuring ads uh tom steyer ads so he parked that truck right outside um near the azalea church of christ uh in north charleston and um yeah he had quite the presence at the blue jamboree and the fact that he was able to bring that band in the way he did and marshal the support of the volunteers to help bring it in um it doesn't it doesn't mean that anything untoward took place it just shows you that um, he's he's buying influence in, instead of having it occur naturally. Um, there were other uh, candidates at the Blue Jamboree. Uh, Michael Bennett was there, I believe. Um, Yang was there, confirmed. A lot of the front runners did not confirm. 
Um, so Biden wasn't there. Warren wasn't there. Pete Buttigieg weren't, wasn't there. Bernie wasn't there, and I believe he was still recovering, of course. And sent the surrogate. Um, I believe, yeah, Nina Turner, I heard her loud and clear. She's always here in the Palmetto State. Um, but what you saw was that it was pretty much a Kamala and Tom Steyer event. And again, nothing untoward took place. But I think what that what that shows you uh, is um, perhaps the party, um, if not statewide, maybe um, some national influence, uh, wanted to just inject these campaigns with a little bit of energy. And I think also donations went a long way. And I'll leave it at that. Um, but back to the debate stage, Tom Steyer uh, made his debut on the debate stage this season. Um, there wasn't, any, there weren't any big, big takeaways other than the fact that he did shout out from what I read on Twitter and I have to verify this, but, um, uh, Dina, uh, oh my gosh, why is her name, her name is escaping me, but he shouted out a, a activist that I just met at the Blue Jamboree, but who has been very familiar with Black Voters Matter, um, from Denmark, South Carolina, um, Dina, it was just fighting for clean water. She's been fighting like hell to um, help the citizens of Denmark get access to, to clean water. Um, I'm trying to look at right now. I'm going through my tweets to see, um, to see uh, her. Like, yeah, Dina, yeah, just yeah, Dina, Dina from Denmark, South Carolina. Um, so that was awesome. He shouted her out. I believe she has a, a paid position on his campaign. Um, what I saw with the um, Steyer team here is led by, at least in the state, I believe, um, by Brandon Upson, who is a well-known political operative um, outside of the establishment. And what Brandon has been doing, I, I saw firsthand, is really marshalling the support of black women, organizers on the ground. So he has a lot of enthusiastic black women who are like firecrackers uh, helping out to expand Tom Steyer's uh, profile here. But on the stage, so it was great that he shouted out um, Denmark, South Carolina and their water issue and his um, his newly appointed uh, team member there for his campaign. So that was dope. Um, but outside of that, I can't even really and I take notes and I listen, even though I was live tweeting the whole time. That live tweeting actually helps me retain more information. But, uh, yeah, he didn't really make any any type of statement to me that would just indicate that he can um, really uh make make it to the next stage at least with polling but we'll see he has a lot of um resources so he can really uh keep continue to purchase these ads to get him more name recognition and get him on the stage um I'm trying to think cory booker was there he didn't have one of those moments he did try to be the quote-unquote uh adult in the room a couple of times there wasn't really any fighting you know there was more defend i mean well pete Buttigieg was very very aggressive and i get it right his fundraising uh, hasn't his fundraising has been through the roof but it has his polling hasn't caught up with his fundraising and so he really wanted to stand out um time will tell how his performance was perceived by people i think he was just really really aggressive um and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing um he, and he was on point he stuck the landing on a lot of his questions and assertions that little moment that he had with beto about not needing any um pointers on um not needing any pointers on courage um, was interesting. He, you know, came out a little, a little, a little, you know, confrontational a little bit. But um, I think that he was just trying to assert himself as being a strong contender. 
and, and let's not make any mistake about Pete judge. he's going for Biden's moderate supporters. So a lot of times what I heard from Pete judge was a lot of signaling to more conservative voters. And you'll see this a lot with like Joe Cunningham and other people who are largely supported by conservatives. Um, uh, but, you know, conservatives or moderates. So he's trying to appeal to those. And really, that's why he really came at Elizabeth Warren and her health care plans to really just try to say, hey, you're, you're not being practical and this is too far left. So he always wants to look like, look like the sensible alternative and the fresher, younger, more vital, vivacious alternative to Biden. Um, so he, he definitely tried to do that. And I think he was effective. I just think that people are just not grabbing onto him. And I know for a fact, black voters, black women aren't really feeling Pete like that. Um, they're not feeling him back home and I have not yet seen him really make a real play for black women outside of a couple of key hires I haven't seen him make a real play for black women um you know in his campaign um but he definitely has the eye and attention and affection of the LGBT plus community rightfully so I think he's earned it I don't think it's just because that's how he identifies I think he's earned it um, and I think he's just really dope on foreign policy. Like, you can't really mess with him on that. Uh, so that was great to hear him on that as well. Um, Kamala tried to engage in the foreign policy debate as well because she sits, and, and because she sits on the Intelligence Committee. Um, and so she um, really tried to get in there um, on that conversation. But I don't remember anything specifically memorable about her performance in that arena. I'm trying to think who else is... I mean, Yang was on the stage. He's wearing a math, a math lapel pin. Um, he always says or does something that gets young people excited, and he did that. I can't remember the comment. Um, but he came at Bing and Microsoft. And, you know, for people like me, I think that's like, oh, snap. <laughs> it was cute, but that's what he does. He does cute stuff, and it gets some traction. It gets some trending. Yang Gang is always trending, but um, see, to me, it's really bigger than that, and I think that this debates, these debate stages for him, are really um about a longer game, right? And the this is this is vital prime time television real estate to be on these debate stages. Um, it's it's a lot. You're getting a lot of earned attention, earned media attention. So he's making the most of it. I don't think he's seriously running for president. That's just my opinion. Um, so, but he makes a splash and people respond to it. Um, I'm trying to think. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, I haven't spoken about her and I really don't want to. <laughs> She's a woman that, you know, threatened to boycott the debate. She came at the, um, the debate, um, produced, you know, was produced by, I guess, um, CNN and New York Times. She came at them both about their coverage of her. Um, I think she just says some pretty baddy things, and I'm and I'm sorry. I don't want to be ableist, and I don't want to, um, you know, offend uh, people who struggle with mental mental health. But I I feel like she says some things that are just really off, really off. And um, you know, her affinity for some really unsavory people, the least of which is like like Trey Gowdy, like her citing her. That last question that they posed to all the candidates was, was just rubbish. You know, who's your unlikely friendships and, and using the whole Ellen controversy as it was just such a mess. And her answer to that was just a mess. It was just like a bowl of dirty spaghetti that dropped on the ground and you picked up and put back in the bowl. It was just a mess. I don't know what that <laughs> what that was that I just said. But no, she was just a mess. And um, the question was a mess. But 
she you know she stood out she wore a really nice white suit her hair looked great um she had a great gloss, glossy lip i don't know she just really said some things and she tried to pose questions to the other candidates which is distracting because you don't get to do that you can challenge a specific point or challenge a specific uh, specific answer um on the merits of the question that was posed from the moderators but she was trying to like moderate her own discussions which was interesting and distracting she felt i felt like she was protesting being there but she was there she i felt like she was sulking as opposed to just coming out fighting like some folks who are who are polling a little lower would do she's also made a sizable investment in, in billboards here in south carolina i do not know what the what the end game is with that but she's buying up billboards like left and right if you drive up up and down 90 uh, excuse me up and down 26 like i've had over the last couple of months you'll see a tulsi gabbard um billboard it's like a nice little driving game you can play um but she's she's not going to probably make it to the next round if she does good for her um those are my takeaways in terms of the stage and how it plays here in charleston uh, again, I, I mentioned this early in this conversation. I know I'm a little, a little rambly, but just trying to get it all out. Um, you know, like I said, press members of the national press have reached out to ask me my questions or ask me my thoughts on Warren. She's the biggest question mark, especially in the South. Uh, from what I know, uh, without divulging too much, there is a specific strategy. I do think that her leadership team here um, isn't isn't in a position as other state teams are to kind of just uh bring i don't know i just i think her leadership team is in a specific position um that might be a little limited um that's what i've seen um you're not seeing the same energy and organizational effort as you have seen in like iowa and new hampshire you're just not seeing it here and for south carolina to be such a pivotal primary state um i'm i'm curious again i understand that biden has his like he has his in his hands Black women love Biden. The, the name recognition. Um, he has yet to get like, like Clyburn ain't endorsing nobody. At least not now. But if let's say Clyburn did come out, I wouldn't be surprised if it was for Biden. But I don't think Clyburn would do that. Not at this stage. He did host Elizabeth Warren last week at SC State. But that's my point, right? So Elizabeth Warren was at SC State. I didn't hear about it. Usually I hear at least grumblings, if not, if not a day ahead, like that day. I didn't hear anything. Um, until like the event was about to happen and neither did members of the press like bona fide political writers here locally um, and that just to me is an is a indication an indicator that you know her state team um, has some work to do in communicating and also like after the BET um, black, um, black economics um, forum you know the rooms were largely white all these democratic events in South Carolina are largely white I don't know what these teams are doing to engage black folk. I don't know what the strategy is. And so um, I'd be interested to see what the engagement strategy is moving forward. Um, I, you know, the blackest events have been like, you know, at black churches. That makes sense. But everywhere else has been 60% white. Everywhere, the ILA Hall, the BET Economic, there were people in line at the BET um, Economic, Black Economic Forum, um, economics forum there were people there who didn't even know what BET stood for you know so um I don't I don't know what the strategy is but it ain't this hard and I think behind the scenes Kamala and the Warren team are doing a lot to engage black women and have their voices heard and and, and bring them in the fold but it's it's it's, it's getting mm, I, I would really love to see more energy with that 
Um, and yeah, I don't have any insight about it outside of just what everyone else has seen and just some grumblings that some things are changing from within. So, cause hopefully, uh, more candidates will spend more time in the low country. Um, but for her to be a front runner and really not being here, that's interesting to me. Um, there's some other takeaways from last night that I thought were just because I did live tweet the entire debate for three hours. It was interesting to follow some of the more um, prominent voices, not just on black Twitter, but black journalism, black activism and what they were looking at. So basically um, what we didn't get that we did get, maybe I know I heard reparations in previous debates, um, police violence outside of Julian Castro uh, making that statement. Police violence should have been mentioned, especially after a Tatiana uh, Jefferson was uh, killed and murdered by the Fort Worth police, and especially after the verdict, the um, the Geiger, excuse me, <coughs> the Geiger verdict. Um, I thought we should have heard more on police violence, but of course, the Ukraine and um, some other more more like headline issues took uh, took center stage. We didn't hear about housing, food deserts. We don't hear enough about uh, access to food, um, quality food. We don't hear enough about that at all on any at any debate night so um yeah reparations police violence housing food deserts those were some of the um things that i um read from like activist uh, leslie mack so she she tweeted that and that, those were the spot on i couldn't agree more um yeah i would love to hear more about those issues and some other things you know um i think reproductive justice did make its way to the stage kamala spoke on reproductive um rights and reproductive access uh and julian also echoed those echoed those sentiments but again we know that you know black women and um our you know maternal mortality rates are just through the roof and so it would have been great to hear more about that um and just yeah a lot of black people just get a little lost in these debates because we don't feel like we're hearing enough um, and again, if you're not black and you don't agree with that, that's that's fine. That's your opinion. But it's important, especially um, being that black folk and black women are the most reliable Democratic voters. You need to be speaking to us. We've earned that. You know, we never got a Supreme Court pick during eight years of Obama. We never got you know, we don't get the, the recognition we want. We need and we've earned and we don't get the representation. Again, outside of a couple of some high profile hires which are largely ornamental in my in my opinion um we don't get the respect that we earn we've earned um being such a reliable we've we're been we've been taken for granted and so it's important that black people are spoken to directly it's important that black women are spoken to and engaged directly so hopefully we'll see more engagement as time moves forward um yeah so that's just those are just my thoughts i didn't think it would be this long but those are my thoughts on the the, the most recent debate on um, October 15th, uh, Tuesday, 2019. Um, it was a great night. You might hear a little fatigue in my voice. Um, it was an exciting night, but it was a long debate. And I did stay up an extra hour or so to uh, listen to some of the post uh, breakdown. And so it was interesting to, to uh, hear like NPR and PBS uh, kind of echo some of the things that I took that I took away from the debate so it's one to watch don't get discouraged the field will continue to narrow remember there used to be multiple nights of debates now the debates are on one night so take that as a victory 
don't get too fatigued but at the same time you don't have to keep consuming the news cycle just take it one step at a time um you don't have to read every article you don't have to click on everything um don't be overwhelmed just take your you know pace yourself uh the only thing i want to just end on is last week on mic'd up on friday i talked about um this is why police violence was so important to me and has been for some time even going back to like just doing some some work on the, the free scotty J podcast which was about criminal justice but um you know the recently released cna audit i was very emotional and i, I liked the show i was satisfied with the show that aired and that's currently on itunes and soundcloud um but i really do encourage folk who are watching this debate watching these debates excuse me and and following these these um following political news please make sure that you press your elected officials or those vying for your vote please make sure you impress the importance of really digging deep into the cna audit into what the police are going to do or how the public is going to be engaged to create some solutions. That audit, which was uh, coordinated by former law enforcement officials, to me, it really colored the results. Also, we need standardized metrics to measure use of force and deadly use of force from the, from the Charleston Police Department, period. Let's dig deep into this. I know you're thinking, well, we haven't had a Walter Scott in a minute. The fact that we had a Walter Scott in Charleston County is is it's one too many deaths. But the thing is, with the audit, what the audit revealed to me is that there's a lot of power being used and possibly abused with the frequent stops of black people, black drivers, um, and also no use of force measuring stick. Like there's no way to measure and gauge how many times the cops use force. We have to, we don't know. We don't know who else was hurt in police custody or during a police intervention. We don't know how kids are being handled. Um, we don't know, you know, if kids are being the main, <laughs> let me look it up and I'll say the main newspaper in Greenville. Um, is it the Greenville Journal? I'm pulling it right now. Oh yeah, the Greenville News um, reported yesterday, they made breaking news in the evening um, that uh, civil civil asset forfeiture in South Carolina is unconstitutional, according to a circuit court judge. So that was huge news. Um, if you didn't follow reporting from the Greenville News earlier in the year, it might have even been like, let me see, it might have been when did they publish it? It was it was jaw dropping. I remember reading it. Um, but they ran a series a while back, early yeah, early in 2019. They ran a series about the civil, um, the civil assets forfeiture. They just taking people's money. Like even if you were arrested and charges were dropped, even if you didn't even commit a crime, they were just taking either money, land, property, and seizing it over 17 million dollars, or rather 17 million dollars over three years. And and the money went to, and I'm using air quotes in here in my hotel room, went to fighting the war on drugs um it's, it's such an egregious overuse uh, abuse of power so we need to make sure that we keep law enforcement in check i know people think that there are great cops and good cops and your uncle's a cop your daddy was a cop your grandpappy all that's great i have my views on law enforcement and policing and i am a prison abolitionist uh, and I think that there are way more effective ways to manage people and restorative justice is the way. Um, but that being said, we need to hold our police officers accountable for their actions. They should not have so much free reign to just do what they want, take property when they want. So this was a victory for so many black people who have had their land, their cars, their money taken from them 
even when they didn't even commit a crime. That sounds like a gang. That sounds like the mafia, a shakedown. And they do it to people who they think they can get away, you know, because they think they can get away with it. Poor black and brown people. And now imagine what immigrant communities are facing. People who are more reluctant to come out and, and, and voice their concerns are people who have, like, there might be a language barrier. And we haven't been able to hear their stories. So let's keep our eye on that as we as we keep our eye on presidential news and these debates. Let's make sure we also keep it local. It's important. Local issues matter and they matter a lot. And in some instances, they matter more. So let's make sure we um, take a look at things on the local level and down ballot elections and issues. Um, So that's my recap. Wow. 40 minutes that's all i got um make sure you tune in to mic'd up on ohm and stay tuned for more um events and organizing that's going to center black women um throughout the state but specifically here in charleston all right take care y'all